Hey listeners, happy June. This early part of the month is the intersection of a lot of things. Uh, we come off of May, which was AAPI Heritage Month, and we dive into June, which is LGBTQI Pride Month. It's officially summer, and also this particular June is the 50th anniversary of Title IX. We talked to a woman who's seen sport and coaching evolve since its passing in 1972. Our guest is Dr. Cecile Renaud, longtime volleyball coach and professor in sports management at Florida State University. We want to introduce her most recent book, The Winning Ways of Women Coaches, but we also have a conversation around women in coaching, why it's important, and how it's doing numbers-wise. We also discuss her involvement in other organizations like We Coaching and her other works such as the book She Can Coach. This is a great resource episode for anyone aspiring to be a coach or currently coaching and wanting to grow their knowledge base. Thanks for keeping track. Hey everyone, welcome back to Keeping Track. It's Molly here this week and we're talking to coach and author Cecile Renaud. Um, coach Renaud is actually Dr. Renaud. We'll get into her stats, but just to give you a brief idea of who she is, she's the long-tenured volleyball coach at Florida State University. Um, she is also the recent author of The Winning Ways of Women Coaches, which is what we're going to talk a lot about today. And we're going to have a general conversation about women in coaching um, and the things that are being done to help support and advance women in coaching, some of the statistics, and some more, some more background about Cecile. So Cecile, I know I missed a few things in your resume. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself to start? Well, first of all, thanks for having me. I, I couldn't be any more excited than to talk about women in coaching. I mean, it's been my passion forever. Uh, I started at Florida State when I was 22 years old, back in 1976. Uh, got in it, stayed in it for 26 years. And while I was uh, coaching, I worked on my PhD uh, because it was right here. It had classes. It sounded interesting. So I got a PhD and my dissertation was studying recruiting and factors that uh, influence women in selecting a volleyball, uh, a university to play volleyball. And then I transitioned out of coaching and became a faculty member in sport management for 15 years and then retired uh, full-time in 2015. And is that when you found time to author these books? Oh, no, no, I found time before that. Uh, the, the first one, the first book that I did on women's coaching, it, it really came about kind of in an interesting way. Uh, I had just finished working on, it was called the Volleyball Coaching Bible, which is, you know, Human Kinetics does all these coaching Bibles. And so they asked me to help be a co-editor for some of this. So, you know, you go out, you find the authors, you decide what chapters. And I was working with Dr. Don Shondell. So we put this book together and it was, you know, it was very interesting. And I happened to make a comment to a gentleman at Human Kinetics. And I said, you know, the book I'd really like to do would be about women coaches. And, and, and he said, well, that sounds interesting. We haven't ever done that before. And I, I got into this because in my long-term coaching, I would go, I read everything I could, but you know, it was by Rick Pitino, Bobby Bowden, uh, Joe Paterno, Bill Walsh, Lou Holtz, Joe Torrey. I mean, but they were all men. And I kept thinking, you know, there's just, what did the women think? I mean, I know there are great female coaches out there and what do they think about things? So he said, put together a list of people that you think would be interesting in topics. So I did. And I happened to be a good friend of Pat Summit. So I called her and I said, I need you to do a chapter for a book. And she said, I don't write. I don't type. I don't do any of this. And I said, 
I'm coming up there. We're going to record this. We're going to, because if you'll do it, I can get anybody to do it. So she came on board and, and, and did a chapter on staff management. So this was back in 2005. And uh, it's, I, the other thing that really struck me as very odd is I was telling people I'm going to put a book together on the greatest women coaches. And they said, oh, Gino Ariana. And I said, no, no, I mean, you know, UConn basketball is great and he's he's very good, but no. I said, Mike, Mike, uh, at, I think it's Mon Mike Condreas at uh, Arizona Softball. And I said, no. And they said, Anson Dorrance, is he going to be in it for UNC soccer? And I went, no, this is the point. So whenever we thought of great women's coaches, they came up with, you know, three men that are absolutely fantastic coaches, but that, that wasn't the point. So uh, we came up with a book called She Can Coach. 2005, and it's still available. I think it's just on a, an ebook basis. But I had uh, Pat Summit did a, a chapter, and, and the criteria for being an author in this book is you had to have won multiple championships uh, national championship, Olympics, uh, conference championships, state championships. And uh, so our, our bar was very high. And uh, and the one, the least accomplished person really is it was Mary Wise at the University of Florida in volleyball. And she's just, you know, she's got like thousands of wins, uh, but she hasn't won a national championship at the division one level. So anyway, we went after these people who came up with the topics. We've got basketball, uh, volleyball, softball, track, swimming. Uh, and, and I thought it was just important to include as many sports as we could. Mm -hmm. So that one first came out in 2005 and, and got, uh, you know, really good reviews and people that read it because all I mean, all sport is the same, whether it's running or volleyball or swimming. Uh, it's all just how you relate to the athletes. So that was the first book uh, in 2005 about women in coaching. Yes. Yeah. And your recent book, The Winning Ways of Women Coaches, is what um, introduced me to you when I saw this book being promoted. And I am not really in a team sport being a distance runner, but in this book has a lot of great team sport um, female coaches from, you know, uh, MLB baseball. Um, right, right. Yeah, that I, that chapter was really great. Um, the college basketball coaches, uh, lots of different sports, but it does cross over when they talk about things like cultivating team cultures, recruiting, things like that. So I found it really interesting. And um, my husband is a track coach at Brown, and I wanted to give him the book. He's going to read it next. So I think he'll pick up some some interesting tidbits. Oh, you know, and we got great reviews from the first, I mean, a lot of, a lot of male coaches, I mean, they want to know how these women winning all these championships. So even though they might like kind of hide it, they're reading a book called She Can Coach, but they, they loved it and they learned a lot. So uh, I think, you know, and we did try and try and get some individual sports in there. We had golf, swimming, and, uh, you know, tennis. So it's, uh, yeah, it's different. I mean, it's different with individual sports and team sports, but it really comes down to all being about coaching the athlete. Yeah, definitely. And extremely well-qualified women doing these jobs. Um, that struck me a lot in, with talking to Rachel Belkovic, the MLB coach, just how qualified she was. And the, the extra mileage she took on as far as like learning other areas of expertise above and beyond what's necessary for coaching, which I think is something, unfortunately, a woman coach is going to have to do to make it into Major yeah. League Baseball. Um, but if you read that and read her accolades, you realize, wow, like she 
she's probably uh, much I'm, more qualified than a lot of Oh, them. I'm just getting goosebumps listening to <laughs> talk about her. And I, yes. I contacted her through a former player of mine, Gabrielle Reese, had her on a podcast. And I said, Gabby, I'm doing this book. Could you connect me with Rachel? And so, you know, part of putting a book together is can you get connected to these people? And you've got to find ways. Uh, remember, I did a dissertation on recruiting, so I knew how to like search and dig and you know, keep going until I could reach some of these people. But Rachel, uh, when I contacted her, she said, oh, I'd love to do it. I'm not, you know, that accomplished as a coach. And I said, oh, yes, you are. And yes, <laughs> we're going to be. And so during that time, I think it was a baseball strike. And it was, she drove from Tampa to my house in Tallahassee. And we sat and talked for three hours. And I just was so impressed. And her chapter is so deep and so good and so thoughtful. And mm -hmm. she is really, I think, just phenomenal. And of course, she didn't get the job or didn't, wasn't getting interviewed because she was using the name Rachel. So she shortened it to Ray. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden they started opening up her resumes and calling her. And they said, you sound like a woman. And she goes, well, yes, I am. And so she's just fascinating. So I'm glad you really liked that chapter. It's deep. It's good. Yeah. You guys have to read the book. We'll put the link down for how to buy this book. It's uh, published by Human Kinetics, but um, Rachel's chapter in particular, she talks about learning Spanish to better communicate with the men on the team, well, boys on the team. Some of them are quite young and that goes a long way and just going out of her way to learn all these other areas, um, you know, doing unpaid internships on top of unpaid internships. So I just thought it was a very good example of like, be twice as qualified to get this job. Um, but she just, but she just kept pursuing it because it's really what she wanted. And you know, look where she's ended up, and she's still fairly young. So yes, yeah, I'm anxious to follow her career. Yeah, so we'll we'll put a link link up to the book. But I also wanted to talk to you about um, some statistics, like why this is an important book, why women focusing on women coaches is important. And you know, on our podcast, we like to talk about um, stories of women in sport and one of the areas we think is lacking women's sports have come a long way, but there's still not a lot of women in the leadership positions. And I consider coaching, um, you know, one of those leadership positions, a coach is a leader of a team. Um, and so we think you can't be what you can't see. So it's important to have these role models to look towards. And some of the statistics um, we find, let's see, this was linked to the we coaching website, I believe, but it was by the Tucker center for uh, research on girls and women's sports. Um, and the, the stats have been updated for 2020 and 2021. And they say um, the percentage of division one women head coaches went up only 0.4%, but it did go up. <laughs> and it stands at around 42.7% of all uh, NCAA division one coaches are women head coaches, this is. Um, so, you know, it's an improvement, but we still have a lot of work to do in that area, which is why I think books like this are important. And I it, think these, these stats are, I mean, they're really important for people just to understand that, you know, we've still got a ways to go. But I think things that are changing are we now see women applying for jobs coaching men. Mm -hmm. We didn't do that before, I don't think, very much. And so no one was really thought they were qualified or could coach men, but we've now seen an uptick in you know, Major League Baseball, the NFL, 
uh, and I think other sports are now NBA are now bringing on women, and they think that they under, they understand that there's a diversity involved in coaching, and the more viewpoints you can have, the better. So I think that's that's going to be exciting. Division one, I, I mean, that's you know that's just one segment of the sport. Women are at a higher percentage at Division two and Division three hmm. high schools and clubs, but of course Division one pays very well, and so all of a sudden. You know, back in the 70s and 80s, when we weren't getting paid very much, men weren't that interested. And now all of a sudden they go, I love women's sports. And, you know, and so now they're all involved and and they're doing a great job. But we just want to make sure that women are being elevated and given a chance. They're educated. They're prepared. They're going to be successful. And so the pool has gotten much bigger. And I think uh, this is going to keep going up. Yeah, definitely. I do remember that stat of um, pre-Title IX when the, co- when the positions weren't paid. You had a lot of women coaches coaching women's sports yeah, sure. anyway. And then right. when it became a paid position, it, that's when the shift happened um, to being, you know, less than half of the coaches were women. Um, so we want to see that uh, come back. We want to see women taking those positions and staying in them. Um, I know I have a couple of friends in college coaching, women in D1 college coaching for track and field. And there's a lot of talk about how um, they don't they they enter as assistant coaches. They don't really stay on and climb the ranks, and or they leave early or they leave after a few years. What would be your thoughts on um, maybe some hurdles present for women in the coaching world? And I know some of the women in the book talked about this too. Well, I think it's just a matter of making yourself available and being ready to move if you need to move. First of all, we've got to apply for the jobs. You know, women uh, usually look at all these 10, 10 criteria on the job announcement and we go, well, I haven't done that. And so they don't apply. And and men look and go, oh, I saw a volleyball match once. I think I'll apply to be the head coach. You know, it's just it's crazy how we hold ourselves to higher standards. So I think women are taking that on much more and, and we're trying to talk to young women about just apply. If you don't apply, you're not going to get the job. And so and it can, making sure that they're comfortable and prepared and knowledgeable and they're going to be successful. Uh, I would think that women need to get out and work, you know, certainly start as a graduate assistant or assistants. I think and then then sh- and go around and work with several different coaches. I mean, that's how you get to know. Uh, who's successful and and take what you can from each coach and build your resume. And then you're, you know, then you're ready to step into that role, but not everybody needs to be a head coach. I don't, I don't think that that's something we always want to push people to do. Somebody else in the book, uh, Denise Corlett was an assistant at Stanford or an associate coach for like 34 years and won, I don't know, eight national championships. She liked that role and she was very good in that role. And so I think, uh, that's okay. You know, there are different levels for everybody in their comfort level. So I think if we can start identifying young women on our teams while we're coaching and say, hey, if you're interested in this career, let us help get you involved in in some coaching organizations. Make sure you get to clinics. Make sure you sit on the bench near me and listen to what's what's happening. And I think that they will see what an exciting career it is. And uh, I mean, you can go anywhere you want to coach at any level work with anybody as long as you feel like you've been prepared for that. So that's what I see is trying to elevate. We've got to recruit young women to get into this profession and then make sure they're supported all the way through it. Athletic departments sometimes can make sure, you know, if people have a family and they feel like that's going to be, uh, you know, held against them or if they feel like they're going to need more help, is that athletic departments and organizations need to step up and provide uh, child care. They need to make sure they're able to travel with their children. And, you know, of course, you want to have a supportive spouse. 
And that's, I think that's very important. We've seen women that have families and children just thrive in coaching and thrive as a parent because, you know, their, their little kids are being raised by this team. I mean, what little kid doesn't want that to be surrounded, you know, to be on a bench and be with all these uh, exciting athletes. So, you know, the, the women that have done it say it's just the best thing ever. Yeah, that's definitely a great point. Um, I know chapter six, um, Ellen Randall, who's a national rowing coach, talks about sort of the family, um, having her family while coaching, being pregnant while taking a coaching job and all the travel that was involved. And so that's a big piece of it. I think when you're talking about women coaches, they tend to have to deal with that more than the men for some reason. And she also talks about how her children are really more independent than other kids because they kind of had to learn to be you know, help pack their own lunch, help do some things. And, and, uh, and so they, you know, she, I mean, they're just certainly well-developed uh, grown women now because of that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I would love to talk to some of my friends in the coaching track and field coaching world, because um, we are a three season sport in distance running. So we have cross country, indoor, outdoor track. And I think that amount of travel is hard on families. And I would love to hear their ideas for like, how can the school actually step up and meet them halfway and say like, we want you here. This is what we're going to do for you and your family. Sure. And again, if they can bring their kids to work or they can, you know, have family leave time, I mean, all kinds of things. But I think this, we've seen the support of some very strong athletic departments provide for uh, the coaches and their families. And it's, why wouldn't you do that? They do that in business. Yes, definitely. So I wanted to talk a little bit too about some of the other things you're involved with. Uh, You mentioned We Coaching. It's a, yes, it's a nonprofit organization called We Coach. And it's it's really, it's a a virtual organization that really we try to recruit, uh, support and retain women in coaching and educate them. And it's, uh, it's been in existence. I'm not sure if it's maybe, well, it was, it was the Alliance of Women Coaches and then they changed the name like in 2018, but it's been in existence for, I think, probably 10 years. And I served on that board and it's, you know, we put on, first of all, it started out as kind of NCAA sponsored. So it was primary for NCAA women coaches. And then uh, now they're trying to really expand into NAIA and JCAA high school, club, uh, international, professional sports, that any women that are in coaching and, and want to get involved, you know, providing educational opportunities, podcasts, support. Uh, they do a variety of things, mothers in coaching, you know, just a variety of topics. But it's, I think it's a very important organization. And this book that we put together, all the proceeds are going to go to that organization. I volunteered my time as the editor. And then all the uh, contributors volunteered uh, their time as well to support that organization. Oh, that's awesome. Um, do they have like a website or some kind of landing? Yes. Uh, yes. If you just look up We Coach, uh, I think it's We Coach Sports is the actual website. But yes, it's a uh, it's a fantastic organization. And, uh, you know, they just finished an NCAA. It's called NCAA Coaches Academy. Last week they had about it was about a five day academy in, in Colorado, about 40 coaches for level one, I'll call it. And then they have like 2.0 and they had about 20 coaches that once they go through the first series of uh, academies, then they want to come back for another one. So, you know, then you've got to come up with something else because it's, there's nothing more exciting than walking into a room of 40 strong women in coaching of all sports and spending, you know, four or five days with them. So it's very powerful. Awesome. Yeah, we'll have that link to our website, too, for anyone interested in the courses or more information on that. There is support for you to advance uh, in those ways. That's awesome. Um, 
And I guess we can talk more about, well, I kind of want to go back to some of these statistics because I think that they are um, really relevant to the book and what's going on today. Um, and I forget if these are from the We Coaching website or the Tucker uh, Institute website. Um, for the first time, uh, the majority of 287 head coaching hires uh, were women in one year. So that's just over 50%. So what do you think, like, do you see this trending in that direction? And what do you attribute that to? Do you attribute that attribute that to more um, visibility? Like coaches tend to be sort of in the background, um, whereas, you know, professional players, you see them on commercials, you see them on social media, you see them talked about more. Are coaches kind of getting more of a platform in the social media age or just today in general, there's more awareness of, you know, women you know, coaches? I, I think it's interesting whenever you watch and unfortunately, there aren't many cross-country events that are televised. No. <laughs> you don't get to watch that on TV. But most, when you talk about television, they have a camera primarily dedicated to the head coach in football, in basketball. And, you know, so coaches are certainly much more visible. I think the social media has made coaches more visible. They get a following. They can drive publicity for their sport. We didn't used to be able to do that. We used to have to beg our sports information directors to please write a story. Now they can write their own stories, their own videos, and promote things. But again, I think the population of qualified women and athletes that have been through, you know, we're at 50 years of Title IX now, athletes that have been trained by all kinds of coaches feel like they now might take this on as a career because, it, you know, you can support yourself as a coach. Mm -hmm. It used to not be like that, but now you can make it a career. And I think they feel supported. I think they see, you know, people like Muffet McGraw speaking out about how important it is. Tara Vanderveer speaking about how important it is. And it, it is. It's just important to have women uh, helping coach the women of today. Mm -hmm. 100%. Um, I also saw that coaches of color, for the first time, um, the report analyzed that stat. And based on that data, uh, women coaches of color are underrepresented as head coaches of women's teams. Um, not surprising following the trend of a lot of leadership positions. Um, how do you think we change that and how important do you think it is to address that? It's obviously it's extremely important. I mean, I think everybody that wants to be a coach should have an opportunity. We just want to make sure that they're given the um, the knowledge, the background, the training that everybody else is doing. So we've got uh, quite a few scholarships for HBCU coaches to come into the academy. We feel like that's important. And then anytime they can be supported, just like the other women, I think that's going to that's going to be great for everybody. I think that we've got uh, certain sports that they might have a better chance of moving up. And I, I think that some of them want to be head coaches and some of them just want to be assistants. And that's fine, too. But we want to get them in the pipeline. We want their input. We want them to be wanted to reflect what our team looks like. And certainly we've got a lot of women of color that play a variety of sports, volleyball, basketball, uh, softball. And, and it's I think it's important that they're represented on the sidelines with somebody that looks like them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm definitely glad they looked at that stat this year because until you know what the numbers are, you don't know where the, the lack is. Uh, right. So that's great. What would you tell a woman who wants to pursue coaching on um, how to have success and um, what's some advice kind of from your career that you would give her going forward? Well, I, to me, again, 
you've got it, the X's and O's, you know, we don't go into that in the book. It's not about the X's and O's. It's really about people. Mm-hmm. And so if you can become an expert on people, and I, and I also used to read business books, but how to manage people, how to work with people, how to work with teenagers, how to work with parents. I mean, it's just all about, and your administrators, it's all people related. So really, uh, you know, pay attention to those classes, sociology, which, you know, I kind of blew off when I was in college. Didn't find it interesting. Wish I had paid attention, but psychology, sociology, all of those things, I think, are so important that you feel like you might have an up on somebody else that's trying to get a job. And I think they've got to work with their coaches uh, if if they're a young athlete to try and get in the program. You know, fifth year aid is a good way for athletes to stay around. Of course, now they're going and transferring somewhere and playing still. But I think fifth year aid, they can be in the office and learn a little bit about it. It doesn't have to be the star athlete. I mean, it can be somebody that sat on the bench the whole time, but they paid attention to everybody's position and they knew what was going on. I think athletes need to sit next to the coaches so they can help uh, listen to what's going on and help make decisions. And uh, Nancy Stevens, one of the coaches that's in this book from field hockey at UConn, coached for a long time. And she has this athlete centered approach. I mean, she felt like, and I I agree that the athletes are at the top of the pyramid and it should be inverted and going down to her. So she let them make a lot of the decisions of how they were going to do things, where they were going to go, when they were going to eat, what time was practice going to be. And, you know, really gave a lot of that uh, ownership to them. I think that's important that athletes, the more engaged they are, the better they'll be. So I think Nancy did a great job of that. And so if we engage our athletes and they understand more about the process, that's good. My, I think the most important thing that most of these, all of these women that I've had a chance to talk with and work with, all 40 of them, it's really just kind of a day-to-day process. A lot of them don't talk about winning, which is a surprise, but they talk about how do we get better every day, a little bit better every day as a person. You know, it's the next play, it's the next race, it's the next this, and it's not, you know, not long-term, but what can we do to be better as people, contribute to society. And I think, uh, you know, that's what you've got to think about when you're going to, you're going to be a coach. Mm-hmm. I love that you say it's about the people and the relationships, because I think, um, you know, we see examples of that in track and field, for example. Uh, there are some coaches that are really scientific and very focused on, you know, all the parameters and the VO2 max and the, all the lab stuff. And um, they're not always the best results coming from that right. coach because right. it's there's so much more to getting that person running well than that. Well, that you know, that could be a computer coaching that team. But, I, you know, I, when we when we've done, you know, clinics I've done over the years, we say, how often do you meet with your athletes? And they go, well, you know, I just I just don't have time for that. And I, I go, but that's your biggest asset. That is your biggest asset is the, if your relationship with that athlete. And a lot of these coaches talked about how they ran their individual meetings. And, you know, a lot of them had the athletes take notes in the individual meetings. And then they compared notes and they documented what they talked about in their meetings. So going forward, they knew where they stood on everything. Uh Becky Burley, that used to be at the University of Florida and soccer coaches athletes holistically, she would have them drive the conversation. She'd make them send her, what are we going to talk about today? And they would bring in whatever it is they wanted to talk about. Because, you know, if you say we're going to, we need to have a meeting, everybody, you know, the first athlete comes in and everybody knows what you talked about. So, you know, you've got to keep it individualized. It might be classes with you. It might be, you know, when it, when is somebody going home? It might be, how do I become a starter? So it's, you know, it's, it's got to be based on each individual athlete at that particular time. 
And then another one of my favorite chapters is by um, the softball coach at UCLA, uh, Defining and Adjusting Athlete Roles. I don't know if you've read that, Kelly Way Perez. That seems to be a real hurdle that a lot of coaches have and how to manage everybody's role. And she's very clear on managing expectations and their roles and, and how those might change. And, and then she makes it public to the rest of the team. This is what Cecile is going to be responsible for. Here's what we're going to depend on her for. You know, she's going to sit on the bench and be ready to do this. And, and so everybody knows. And it's and it's crystal clear and transparent. And so many times athletes go, I don't really know what's going on. I don't know if I'm going to go in or not. And uh, so I, I think she does a brilliant job of covering a very tough topic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of great lessons. I think it'd be a great gift for any coach in your life or aspiring coach that you may know. Um, So, you know, definitely applicable lessons across all sports. Um, I loved too that you said like, you don't have to be the best athlete, uh, have the best athletic career to transition into coaching. I think maybe with women, that might be something that holds them back saying, well, I wasn't, you know, on the starting team or I wasn't this good or that good. And, um, a lot of the women in these books, they continue to learn, you know, they continue to like take more classes or check out a different area that could maybe help them in their coaching career. And so, you know, you're never done growing. I think that was a good takeaway from the book too. Like get, as you say, get the position and then grow into it and get better and better yourself at coaching. And, and keep evaluating yourself. I think uh, Rosalie Jenke talked about managing yourself and, you know, videotape yourself, study yourself. We spend so much time studying and coming up with stats for our cross country runners and looking at the form, you know, do we ever look at ourselves and see what we look like, how we sound, what, how are we portraying what we want? And I, at Florida State University, we had a lot of sports psychology doctoral students that wanted to come in and work with the team. And I said, study me. I, you know, I'm going to be here forever. They're going to be here a couple of years and then they're gone. So they did. And they just, you know, tracked me, everything I said, they measured my heart rate. They, you know, showed me videos of myself. And it, it was just very interesting. And uh, I th- so I think we need to study ourselves to know what image we're putting out there and how those athletes will respond to us. Yeah, that's a great point. If you're having a conversation with someone, maybe you think you're coming off one way and they think you're an intimidating presence and you just would never know unless you maybe looked at that dynamic right. from another perspective. So right. yeah, definitely a sign of a good coach. Keep growing, keep adding to that knowledge base. Sure. <laughs> um, Cecile, thank you so much for talking to us about this uh, book and your career. Is there anything else you wanted to touch on um, before we leave? We like to ask on our podcast, just if there's an area that you don't get to talk about a lot, or maybe that isn't as well known about you. No, I mean, I, I think I've, I was blessed to be in the right place at the right time. I played for a couple of women coaches at Southwest Missouri state. I came down here and replaced a female coach. And so I was, I was just fortunate to always have strong female role models. And I appreciate that. And I I've been able to serve on various boards and so I think, uh, and president of those boards, the American Volleyball Co- Coaches Association, the USA Volleyball Board. And so I think, you know, those boards are available and women can lead those as long as you get yourself in those positions and do a good job and you get elected. I mean, you know, you can, you can run your organizations. So don't think uh, there's not a place for you, but you've got to put your name in the hat and work hard and do a good job and support people. Mm -hmm. I don't doubt that you've served as a mentor to quite a few female coaches as well yourself. So I've tried, sure. (laughs) Yeah, that's a whole nother facet uh, to this that keeps giving back down the line. Um, And as I said, there will be links to the book. 
the most recent book you've written. We'll also link the other um, book. She in, can coach. Yes. She can coach the winning ways of women coaches and any other publications you think that um, prospective female coaches might be interested in. Uh, let okay. us know. Okay. And yeah, the website's mentioned as well. We will link. And thank you so much for giving us some insight into your um, recent book and also your career and all the support for women's coaching you've been involved in. Thanks, Mel. I appreciate it. It's been a pleasure to speak with you. Yeah, great to talk to you. Thank you. Keep track. Keep track. Keep track. Keep Women's Running Stories, where we explore the intersection between running and life. Because every woman who is committed to a running journey has a story to tell, and this is where you'll find those stories. I am host and producer Sheree Louise Turner. I'm a 53-year-old runner, and together with original music by musician and runner Cormac O'Regan, we bring these inspirational stories to life. Please join us to fuel your adventures.